and thank you for joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics, digital marketing, and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, hey Samir. How's it What's going? What's up? Great. How you been? Great. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I, I think uh, today's topic is, is a really interesting topic. You know, it's it's one that not everybody really understands or knows about, but I think it's something that that's really affecting international business today. You know, um, we're, today we're going to be talking about, you know, safe harbor laws. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the topics that has been out there in the market. And there are a lot of questions. And most of the time, you know, if you look at the companies, they just let their legal department speak to it and take care of the uh, the day-to-day operational stuff and how safe harbor, the end of safe harbor, I should say, should impact marketers or analytics professionals. Uh, but I think it's really important from a marketing analytics professional standpoint to understand what this law is and how this impacts us and how we can change things or adapt to new things, uh, you know, to make our lives easier and better without getting to the legal trouble. Okay. So, so I guess let's, let's start with that then. So what is the safe harbor law? And that's a great question. So without getting too much into the technicalities of what exactly, you know, what is a principle or what the safe harbor law or so-called principle is, uh, at, at the high level, it is a mutual agreement between U.S. and European Union to protect the privacy of European nationals. So the agreement is, uh, so generally, if you think about it, European Union is known to have the strongest customer privacy protection rules. They really care about what data uh, uh, for their people who live there, you know, citizens of so, European so Union. So when you say data, are, are we talking profile data? Any kind of okay. data. So if it relates to the customer, uh, and there is a stringent requirement which safe harbor uh, of course, when it was active, uh, the U.S. companies can become certified and it made it easier for them to do business and exchange data with the European companies. So let's say if I have customers in Europe, I'm trying to get their data to U.S. and run the data in a data warehouse and perform XYZ actions. Uh, you know, it, it this process of Safe Harbor removed gazillion red tapes and removed, uh, you know, several other policies that could impact the business. Otherwise, the companies have to spend months and months just trying to get data for marketing, advertising, targeting, or many other uh, marketing analytics activities to do business and serve customers. Hmm. Makes sense. Um, you know, so so really, let, let's get into the first question. So, why why was the safe harbor agreement invalidated or terminated? It's a great question, and you know, I mean, there is probably an escalation path. So it not all of a sudden that people you know said, "Hey, tonight we're going to go and just terminate the law." Uh, but that happened in October. But it happened through the years and years of escalation. So a lot of big companies they have already started you know thinking about the alternative solution, and some of the big companies like Google they have started using alternative solution. But what happened in October was a big month for analytics and marketing professional as well as most in the technology industry. So on the October 6th, the European Union Court of Justice ruled that the policy, the safe harbor policy, is invalid. Now imagine a 15-year-old policy which was created to do business, mutual business together without any issues that made a lot of things easier. It was invalidated. So it had a huge uh, impact on the entire web sphere and the entire technology industry because, you know, in the cloud era, you know, you and I have been in the cloud for a long time and we know that how data travels, like it goes from one location mm-hmm. to the other at the rapid yep. speed. It doesn't have to reside in one location. So that's what happened. And the reason why this rule was invalidated is so to start with, 
there has been a big concern about consumer privacy, customer privacy and security in general. And as a privacy laws, if you go back in time, these laws have been pretty outdated. Yeah. They have been there since the launch of Internet, and not nothing really has changed on how we govern uh, and how this controls of the you know, person's life and their entire life is online, and they're all connected together. So, so I think one thing with that, you know, let me make a statement here because I think there's a difference mm-hmm. between personal data and, um, you know, uh, cookies. And, right. and I think that's where some people may misinterpret really how safe harbor laws work and, and, and really what kind of data is pulled. So I, I remember in a previous podcast, we talked about, you know, data analytics, um, you know, the history of cookie tracking and all that stuff. So let's start, let's break it down first. So in, in your own words, Samir, what is the difference between, you know, personal information versus cookie data information? And that's a great point, and that is one of the things that we, from a data and analytics and marketing standpoint, we're always aware uh, that the personal, which we call as PII, personally identifiable yep. information, which is you know like my name, your name, your probably my, credit my card birth number, date, your address, all that stuff, your birth yeah. date, all all the stuff that associates to you as Jeremy Roberts, versus cookie identified data is when you go to a website and an anonymous cookie is dropped on your computer that can just say, like, hey, this particular person using this particular device accessed this particular website. Or looked at this or clicked on this or something. Right, which is very anonymous. Now, you know, definitely we're getting into the weeds of, like, hey, there are ways to stitch the journey between an anonymous Mm -hmm. person to a known person. And that's where things get muddled up. And that's where, you know, things like Safe Harbor come into place. Like, hey, if you are using... Uh, our citizens' data, then you better make sure that you follow this, you know, checklist, and you have this particular infrastructure uh, before you start using those data sure. sources. Sure. So uh, that's a great thing, and I, th- I think people really need to understand there is a difference. So make sure that so, you understand the difference between PII and interest data. Yeah, yeah, and one of the things I was going to say, you know, again, going back to the original question, like why was a safe harbor law invalidated or terminated? Mm-hmm. So generally, from a technology standpoint, uh, the macroeconomic factors, such as, you know, technology improving faster at the rate of anything else on the planet, technology is going so fast that it is not uh, limited by anything. You know, right now, no one can say, What's going to happen in future and what does the five-year path looks like? It probably is going to be exponential growth in all of the technologies that we see exactly. today. What happened on October it raised a big question mark on that growth in one particular sector, which is the customer uh, data sector that impacts a lot of things. So big and small businesses across the two countries, now they're getting worried. You know, they're urging uh, you know, major brands and major law uh, entities to go and participate like Facebook, Microsoft, Google, they're all working with their European counterpart to find a solution. In fact, Google's uh, Eric Schmidt, he raised a concern that, hey, if this does not get resolved quickly, then this threatens internet itself, which is a pretty big thing f- coming f- directly yeah. from Eric Schmidt. What he was saying that, you know, uh, without getting into too much detail, he was saying that he, it might create a lot of intranets instead of the internet that we use today. You know, a great example is what happened in Russia in September, what they said that, hey, we're going to, none of the data that uh, about a customer should be located anywhere else but in Russia. Mm-hmm. So that could be something that could uh, translate across the entire world. 
Yeah, and, and you see that prevalent in a lot of these countries who, who really restrict uh, usage and access to sites and external sites and stuff like that. So exactly, and, and it's funny, like we see those, you know, when we go to the European sites, we see those uh, acceptance of cookie exactly uh, link. Yeah, yeah, good, 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 good one. So uh, let's let's go to the next question. Um, so how does the end of safe harbor impact customer data professionals? Such as you know analytics marketing and advertising professionals, and that's a valid question that directly impacts our lives, right? So yep. first, I would say safe harbor. If it's not replaced quickly, then you know based on some of the estimation, based on some of the legal articles out there, it would definitely increase the cost of serving overseas customer. Period. Yep. Uh, the alternative process of moving customer data are cumbersome. Uh, what it means is the resource constraints. It means a higher cost. Uh, and any company that, you know, deals with much more processes, they'll have to put more people on it. They'll have to probably get better legal advice, you know, change their legal documents. So there's a, a lot more costs associated with it. Second, any company that use marketing or advertising, you know, data or collect or analyze a European customer data will have to go through new compliance and processes when handling these data. Uh, especially advertisers and marketers, when they uh, talk about compliance, you know, I saw the last time you know, one of the companies that started doing the compliance already is Marketo is sending a new type of agreement yep. uh, to all of our customers just so that they can get prepped. And pretty sure, you know, Silver Pop is doing the same thing. Uh, so just, you know, they have these new law that governs uh, when Safe Harbor does not exist. Yep. It- so third, third is getting informed consent from the customer is becoming extremely, extremely important. And what it means, and we were talking about earlier, when you go to European site, is that the label that puts on the website, like, hey, do you accept cookies? Click OK and continue. That's an informed consent. So I think it's extremely important for us as marketing and analytics professionals to start thinking about these ways on how you can get customers permission before you start doing stuff with their data Mm -hmm. and it's going to become more important for the customer because customers are really worried about their data especially european customers because they have been protected by their government on how their data is used they are really concerned and that's what kind of escalated to the point that we have this 15 year old policy was completely you know terminated And, and companies who don't follow the guidelines they could face up to 300,000 euros in fine. So it, it is a big deal. It is a big thing uh, to pay attention to and not just ignore. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And actually, so I, I did find something interesting on the DMA site. And DMA is the Direct Marketing Association. They actually have a, a great article on there. Uh, so if you go to dmaresponsibility.org, um, if you go into the Safe Harbor section, they actually have, you know, a listing of what are the safe harbor privacy principles. So what they say here is, you know, in order to for your company to be compliant with the safe harbor framework, you must abide by and incorporate these safe harbor privacy principles. So I actually have seven principles right here, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, number one, it says notice. Clearly inform customers in a timely manner about what information you are collecting, why you are collecting it, who you're affording it to, and how it's used can be limited and how the customer can contact you for additional information. So that, that 
that's very clear. You know, basically they're saying just give notice to the customer. Don't do anything shady. And that's a very crucial and it kind of latches on to the getting the consent of the customer. Exactly. So number two here says choice. So it says honor customer's request to opt out of certain information uses and exchanges and opt in if sensitive information is being used. So that's number two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so number three of seven says onward transfer. So ensure that if information is disclosed to agents or subcontractors, that they will agree to abide by the safe harbor principles. So make sure there's a transference of those principles. It's not just mm-hmm. you, but if you're forwarding it to somebody else, they also have to abide by those principles. And that's very important, especially with those in marketing. Mm-hmm. Again, they deal with a lot of different vendors. Yes. So you know, once they adapt uh, to these new rules and policies, it is important for them to transfer that knowledge to others who are handling their customer data. And a lot of companies I know they transfer the customer data yep. from U.S. to India so that they can run you know deep dive predictive analytics or data cleansing. So that's a that's a very you know solid point. Yep. There. So number four here says access. So provide customers the ability to access the personal information being maintained by the company and the ability to correct it where it's inaccurate. So based on a sliding scale principle, the obligation to provide access to information increases where it, where its use is more likely to be significant, significantly affect the individual. So I, I, that's a big thing. I mean, you don't typically see that type of access in the U S I mean, it's kind of creepy to to be able to go into a site and see <laughs> all the stuff that they're tracking on you. But I, I love this principle. This is a great one here. No, that's that's a great one. I would you know love to see something like that coming to us. With like our day, I think U.S. probably is one of the countries where majority of the customer data is available to everyone. Well, it, 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 you, I think I remember you and I talking once to this uh, this client, potential client or customer who was an albatross. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they were basically saying, um, do everything you can to get people to register and um, we'll pay you seven cents on uh, the dollar for every register person that registers. And like, that's kind of creepy. So you're looking for a demand gen expert to really just collect data information as an albatross to be able to push it off to somebody else. And I, I you right. know, I think there's a lot of shady companies out there that are doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, number five here says security. Take reasonable care in protecting the information you collect from loss, misuse, unauthorized access, disclosure, alteration, and destruction. So that makes yep. sense. Okay, number six of seven, data integrity. Ensure that the customer's personal information is reliable, accurate, complete, current and used for the intended purposes. Well, that that's pretty straightforward there. This is great. Yeah. I think we should definitely provide a link to this uh, list on our blog and you know on our podcast site. That would be fantastic Absolutely, just yeah. for the customers. Yeah. And this yeah. last one here says enforcement. So, take reasonable steps to ensure that any consumer privacy concern will be addressed. One by referring customers to your customer service department. Um, two, subscribing to a third-party dispute resolution mechanism to address anything that's unresolved. Or three, just having appropriate monitoring, verification, or any kind of remedy procedures in place. So just being able to, to reinforce or take enforcement on anything that happens uh, wrongly. Awesome. Yeah. 
No, this is a great list. I, I think you know, it, it, extreme. It, I think this changes everything, right? For marketers, it does. Uh, it, now we are going to be scrutinized more than ever, especially for dealing with global customers, especially with the European Union. Uh, so these things and these new ways to do business are going to be very critical. Uh, and without, you know, if a company is really concerned about the data that they're using and how they're operating that data across the organization, across their data centers, mm-hmm. uh, they better prepare themselves. Or as I was saying earlier, they could face significant fines. Exactly. And, and I think the, the learning point of this is just be transparent. You know, do good marketing. Don't, you know, don't spam people. If you're going to offer an advertisement or something to somebody, give them what they want. You know, that's why data integration tools are, are even more important these days to be able to. And which is a basic yeah. fundamental we, that we preach, yeah. you know, that this the is right message very at the basic. right time, you know, to the right person. Exactly. Yeah. So let me, let me give you one more question here. So, you know, so what can, you know, marketing analytics and advertising professionals do, you know, with all, with all these seven principles, with, you know, this impact on customer data, you know, all the things that we talked about today, you know, how, how would you sum all that up? You know, what can they do? Yeah, so uh, we have four steps to your seven steps earlier, you know, really powerful in the one that you mentioned. So there are four action items specifically for marketing, advertising, and analytics professionals. First, I always say this, you know, if, if things change, is do not panic. <laughs> I know this is a big uh, change on how business is done globally, uh, things are going to get settled. They are, there are people that are already working on this. You know, big entities such as Microsoft, big governments are involved in it. They're going to find a solution pretty quick. I'm very confident, uh, because, uh, in the economy that we live in, you know, capitalist economy, all these big companies, they have to do business. They're not just going to sit there and, you know, operate and take a long time and stop the technology from progressing the way it has. So, uh, having said that, the impact of this new change on different type of marketing analytics practices mm-hmm. will be different. Like if you're doing marketing research, most of the time when you collect customers' data, it, you know you already get customers' consent. So if you're doing something like that, the customer has already agreed to provide information, then you're good. You know, customer has already taken a step to say, "Hey, use my data. I am agree to participate in the survey." I think the biggest impact that we're going to see is on the email marketing front from a marketing standpoint, which, which I think, it, and that's the reason why Marketos of the world yep. and, you know, Silver Pops of the world are taking much more proactive steps. Uh, because once you collect information and you start sending them, uh, data and that customer's information is stored in your data center and that data center is not in, uh, European Union or with this specific country, then you could end up in really big trouble uh, if you have no consent for that customer's data. So it's, again, g- going back to the original ideology, which is getting customers' permission. So that was first thing. The second thing is there are several alternative processes to Safe Harbor that were being used before, and even some of the companies were using during the Safe Harbor was active. And companies such as Google is proactive implementing it. One of them is a model contract clause. Now, again, I don't want to get into the detail of what that is, but that is something that is to consider, you know, consider your legal advisor. Again, we're not providing any legal advice here, so please consider the appropriate legal entity that you work with and investigate 
what is a model contract clauses, what is a binding corporate rules are, yep. BCRs and MCCs. And, you know, last but not the least, which is the customer informed consent. So that's number two. Uh, number three is ask your partners and service providers to get MCC and BCR compliance yes. before you send them the data. Yes. It's not just, yeah, exactly. It's not just you who's going to be liable if your partner is not compliant by these new uh, rules and policies, then you're going to end up in trouble because, again, they're dealing with you. Yeah, I agree. And, and yeah, and the last one is really think through your customer's privacy and security to plan for the future. So now, from now on, take this as a warning sign that, hey, if I'm going to be using my customer data for XYZ activity, it doesn't matter if it's marketing, advertising, retargeting, whatever you want to do. Just pay attention on how you, that information is being collected, where is information stored, and just put a lot more effort than we were putting before uh, this warning came to us. Mm -hmm. So those are the four steps I would say to summarize on what can marketing okay. analytics professionals do. That's great. I mean, I, I think better safe than sorry. <laughs> I think that's the most succinct thing I can say. And, and and in general, we have seen like things don't change until something really makes a change, like a macroeconomic factor such as this one. Exactly. Uh, so I think it's a good wake up call for all of us here uh, who are dealing with our customers' data. Uh, it's a good wake up call for the entire legal premise that existed today uh, to t to let us know, like, hey, the old rules are not going to work. It's time to change. It's time to rethink. Uh, there is no bureaucracy here. It's just the customer is the front and the center. Uh, and, you know, the customer is that ultimately wins all the time. Yes. And especially in a, in an international market, you know, you, you have to be ready for anything. You, 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 you cannot just be a U.S. marketer who sits in your office in the U.S. and just assume that, you know, you can do things your way. You know, once you start expanding across those oceans, you know, that, that's really the, where the, the job really starts to push you. You know, you got to start thinking. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is great, man. I mean, uh, I think this is, you know, a very important topic. And, um, you know, I'm glad that we got to talk about this one today. And I'm happy. And, uh, again, we're going to put some of these links and resources uh, on our website uh, so people can get access to it. For sure. Okay. Well, um, I just want to thank everybody for joining us today. I think this has been a great topic and, um, you know, thank you, Samir, again. This has been a, you know, a great session and, uh, we'll see you guys on the air.